Welcome to the Mutual Audio Network, where imagination and listening combine. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. And now, Dakota Ring Theater presents the continuing adventures of Canada's greatest superhero, that scourge of the underworld, hunter of those who prey upon the innocent, that marvelous masked mystery man known only as the Red Panda! The Red Panda, mysterious crusader for justice, hides his true identity as one of the city's wealthiest men in his never-ending battle against crime and corruption. Only his trusty driver, Kit Baxter, who joins him in his quest in the guise of the Flying Squirrel, knows who wears the mask of the Red Panda. This episode, A Midwinter's Murder. I'm sorry, Mr. Brink. Professor Harwood left very specific instructions that he was not to be disturbed. Jenkins, I didn't come all the way out to the manor house to cool my heels. The professor and I are on the verge of an enormous breakthrough. We are meant to be working on the prototype morning and night if we're to present it to the investors at the end of the month. That's as may be, sir, but in this house, when the professor says... What would you have me do? Take a stroll outside in the middle of a blizzard? I am here to work, man. And so you will, sir. When the professor is ready for you, he will send for you. I am not a servant, Jenkins. I do not stand at the professor's pleasure, and I do not answer to his butler. Get out of my way. Sir, you can't just... Harwood, would you kindly tell this overprotective minion... I beg your pardon, sir. Professor Harwood? Morton, stop playing around. Professor? I hope he's not unwell. We'd have a devil of a time summoning a doctor in this storm. I'm afraid there's no need for that, Mr. Brink. Professor Harwood is dead. Are you sure you're all right to drive in this storm, Kit? I can hardly see the road in front of us. No worries, boss. This shiny new sedan eats up the snow. I could get used to having you up here in the front seat, though. Well, if it helps to keep the car balanced. What's that? You said it helps to keep the car balanced. So it can grip this icy road. That's right. You'd know these things if you drove more. <laughs> I think I have enough excitement. Oh, the last few days were exciting, were they? Kit, the Masterson's annual ski weekend may be painfully dull compared to crime fighting, but it's a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. The Red Panda has been so busy, my alter ego has hardly been seen in weeks. People are starting to wonder how he occupies his time, which is exactly what you don't want in a secret identity. One must appear at the odd social function. And it was an odd social function. I didn't notice a lot of skiing going on. Well, the weather's been so terrible. Mm-hmm. We do talk in the servants' quarters, you know. What's that? Apparently, at least four of the Masterson's lady guests attended for no other reason than to chase after you. I don't know what you're talking about. That's all right. Downstairs isn't exactly quiet as church on Saturday either, you know. What? For all you know, there were as many butlers and chauffeurs chasing me as there were debutantes chasing you. Maybe more. Hmm. Did anyone catch you? What? I'm just making conversation. I'm not 
the one with the billionaire playboy reputation. Well, I can think of at least two good reasons for that. <laughs> well... Kit, in the last year I've read three times in the papers that I was engaged to women that I don't recall ever meeting. And in every case, soon afterwards, another young man was suddenly motivated to finally propose to them. I'm a wealthy bachelor. People make things up. Yeah. So no one's chasing you. I didn't say that. What did you say? That if they are, they're doing a really bad job. Oh. I didn't I'm sorry. Mean... <sighs> sorry. <laughs> you go first. No, no, no. You're the boss, after all. Oh, thank, thank God. God. There! She's up on that hill. See her? Barely. She'll catch her death of cold. <laughs> that doesn't seem to be real high on her list of worries. Come on. Oh, brother. I wish I had the thermal pad for my squirrel suit on right about now. It's freezing out here. I know. She can't have traveled far in this. Not on foot. I don't know. She doesn't look so good. Miss, can you hear me, miss? He's dead. Who's dead? We all will be if we let the car get buried. Let's get her out of here. No, leave me. Save yourselves. This sounds serious, all right. Come on, let's get her back to the car. Looks like our dull weekend is over after all. This must be the place. Should I knock? I'm in favor of barge right in, actually. Roger that. Hello? Anybody home? Miss Harwood, is that you? We were terribly... Who the devil are... Dorothy! Where should I put her down? In here, please. Just on that settee there. I'll get some brandy. She was on her own, almost a mile from the house. Thank goodness you found her. We've been terribly worried. Are you her husband? Am I... No, miss. I am Robert Jenkins, butler to Miss Harwood's late father, Morton. Professor Harwood passed away quite suddenly today, and young Miss Harwood fled the house, distraught. I'm terribly sorry. Is Mrs. Harwood well? Mrs. Harwood passed on six, almost seven years ago now. I'm afraid the professor was all the family Miss Harwood had in the world. And then when you say we were worried... Mr. Brink, the professor's laboratory assistant, is also present. I'm afraid the storm makes it quite impossible for him to leave. Hoping to be rid of me, eh, Jenkins? I don't blame you. I see she's back, and she's brought friends. I'm Clyde Brink. I don't believe we've been introduced. I'm glad to know you, Brink. I'm... John Morris. And I'm Mrs. Morris... But you can call me Jane. Delighted. I'm sorry we're not really in a fit state to receive guests at the moment. Oh, but we can't possibly go back out in that storm. Not in our old car. Isn't that right, dear? Yes, of course. We hate to impose... I don't see how Professor could... Harwood would never refuse his hospitality to those in need, particularly those who have done him such a good turn. Of course you will stay the night. Thank you. How did Professor Harwood die? Why? Because his daughter used the word murderer more than once. Murder? That's absurd. The professor had a heart attack. Are you a doctor? Are you? No, but I have some experience in forensic science. Perhaps I should examine the body. I don't see why. Because if this young woman is correct, we may all be trapped in this house with a killer. Here we are, sir. 
This is where we found the body. This is the professor's laboratory? Yes. And I'll thank you to keep away from those workbenches. What was Professor Harwood working on? We've spent much of the last year working on a brilliant new power turbine system. One that will revolutionize the generation of electricity. Perhaps. What do you mean, perhaps? Forgive me, Mr. Brink, but were your work that complete, you would not have been summoned to this remote estate in this weather. Nor would you have felt compelled to move the professor's body to continue your work before telephoning the police. The police? Professor Harwood was not a young man, sir. His death was not a great shock. It was to his daughter, Dorothy. Yes, poor girl. I've had enough of this. The professor and I have taken our theoretical work as far as we can without outside funding. We have a meeting scheduled with potential investors at the end of the month, and I must have a completed prototype by then, or all is lost. Then you intend to continue with the work? Of course. Now, if you'll excuse me, Mr. Morris. Where was the body found? Over here, at the professor's correspondence desk. He was seated just here, slumped over on his arm. Has anything else on the desk been touched? No, sir, nothing. See here. This amateur sleuthing may be terribly exciting to you, Mr. Morris, but I really must insist you allow me to get back to work. I'm afraid not. I must insist that nothing further in this room be disturbed until the storm clears and the police arrive. Who do you think you are? Jenkins, what sort of tea did the professor drink? Earl Grey, sir. Why do you ask? Smell the tea left in this pot. It... it smells of almonds, sir. Yes. Almonds? Arsenic. I'm afraid the professor was poisoned. Are you feeling better, Miss Harwood? Much. Thank you, Mrs. Morris. And please do call me Dorothy. And I'm Jane. Is there anything else I can get you? No. No, you and Mr. Morris have done enough already. Why, if you hadn't come along when you did, I dread to think what might have happened. Hmm. We're... You and your father very close? I don't... Uh, I, I won't lie to you, Jane. Father could be a difficult man to know. He was capable of great warmth and great stubbornness. It was so hard for him when Mother died. In many ways, she was the only one who could ever reach him. But he did his very best to take care of me in her absence, the best he knew how. I'm sure it was an awful shock. What about Mr. Brink, your father's assistant? Uh, Clyde isn't as awful as he seems. <laughs> I'm sorry if that seems like faint praise. <laughs> it does a little. He's not much of a people person, but father says he's quite brilliant, and he's as driven as father is. Was. I'm sorry. It's all right. It's natural to be upset. If it helps, when my father died, I cried for a week. And then punched out my uncle at the funeral. Where? Were you very young? Seventeen. Oh. <laughs> oh, you're joking, of course. You had me fooled for a moment. Uh, yeah. Well, you're smiling a little now, anyway. What about Jenkins? Has he been with the family long? I appreciate what you're trying to do, Jane. But it's not necessary. Robert has been in my father's service for five years now. He's very loyal. There is really no mystery to what happened here. Well, you did say murderer an awful lot when we found you. I did. I, I, I must have been quite hysterical. You can imagine how I felt, and, and, and who knows how long I'd been wandering outside. 
I could have said anything. You could have, but you didn't. If you'll excuse me, Jane, I I'm feeling a little dizzy. I really must go and lie down. Of course. Just one moment, please, gentlemen. I'll just see how my wife is doing, and then we'll examine the body. Hi. Where's Miss Harwood? Just went upstairs. Very suddenly dizzy. Well, it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Don't you believe it? She's hiding something. She gave both Jenkins and Brink a clean bill of health, which means she's protecting someone. Hmm. Can I just mention how little I like being left in the sitting room? The John and Jane Morris routine was your idea. Crime fighting without a mask isn't nearly as much fun. We're sure about the crime part now. Hmm. Arsenic tea, still in the pot. Amateurs. I'm taking the butler and the assistant upstairs with me while I confirm that diagnosis. Hmm. Since you hate working with an audience, I assume you're clear in the hall for little old me. The professor has a small personal study in the corner of the lab. Papers in the desk, a small wall safe behind a picture, if I'm not too much mistaken. Find out what you can about the dispensation of his assets, particularly the rights to his invention. Ah, you saved the safe cracking job for me. I didn't know you cared. Jane Morris, behave yourself. Yes, boss. I'll open the door. Say something helpless on my way out. You're quite sure you'll be all right. Oh, darling, I'm sorry to be such a baby. This whole business has made me quite dizzy. I'll just go and have a lie down. <laughs> and now, mask or no mask, the flying squirrel swings into action. You are listening to the Red Panda Adventures from Decoder Ring Theatre. Your address for adventure, mystery, and comedy. Morbid curiosity, Mrs. Morris. What, Mr. Brink? Why, what are you doing here? I might ask you the very same question. Mr. Morris was taking his sweet time examining the corpse. Now I know why. I don't know what you mean. I think you do, or I wouldn't have discovered you sneaking out of my laboratory. He and Jenkins will be coming down the main staircase, no doubt making noise to warn you of their approach. I said I was retiring to my room and slipped down the back stairs ever so quietly. If you're trying to frighten me, you've got another thing coming. No, I wouldn't dare try. There's more to you than you pretend, Jane Morris, as if that were your real name. You see, I know everything. What? If you and your husband are going to travel under the guise of man and wife, you really should invest in some cheap wedding bands. I see. It would be a mistake to underestimate you, Brink. That's right. You two thrill seekers may find it exciting, stirring up scandal with a cock and bull fairy tale of murder. But if you interfere with my experiments, I promise you a scandal, all right. I don't know who you are, and if either of you are married to someone else. But if you force me, I'll find out. That car outside isn't old. It's brand new and awfully nice. You don't want a scandal any more than I do, young lady. Let's not make things difficult for each other, shall we? Mister Brink, I think we understand each other perfectly. Good. Good day, young Miss. <laughs> 
There you are. Did you find anything? You let Brink get away from you. He caught me coming out of the study. Any trouble? Some. He rumbled our happy honeymooner routine. No wedding bands? Never thought of it. We're just lucky you weren't wearing your chauffeur uniform. Sorry. Don't worry. I like working without a net from time to time. Remind me to hypnotize him on the way out, just in case. We might want to arrest him first. Anything incriminating? Professor Harwood changed his will recently. Oh, yes? Mm-hmm. Mm. The new one was still in an envelope from his lawyer. Must have just arrived last week. Were you able to compare it with an old draft? There wasn't time, but the new one was very interesting. All of the patents for Harwood's work are in his name and his name alone. Ditto the legal work on the new prototypes he and Brink were working on. And? The new will leaves half of his rights to the new gizmo to Clyde Brink. If Brink is right, that could be worth millions. That looks like motive, all right. Looks like? That's as cut and dry as they come. That's what bothers me. The too obvious motive, the too obvious murder weapon. Brink didn't strike me as an idiot. He wasn't really expecting us to drop by. And if anyone was arrogant enough to think they're above suspicion, it's him. Fair enough. But why now? Why not wait until after the invention is complete? Or at least until the investors have been convinced? Murder? Maybe. But it's sloppy and the timing is all wrong. I still think it was arsenic? As certain as I can be under the circumstances. Probably the sort used to poison rats. So it was lying around the house? Maybe. Why? Now you've got me doubting. Brink's got ice water in his veins. A crime of passion? I don't see it. That's Jenkins and the girl on the top floor. Sounds important. Oh, and it'll be over before we can eavesdrop. You mean you didn't bring a grapple gun? Come on! What? Come here, I'll... You know, lift us both. Oh. Like... Like this? Um... Yes. Please, no! We should go. Right. Hold on! Listen, they're in that room. How could you? How could you think of doing such a thing? Jenkins! I shouldn't have said anything. I knew you'd never understand. After everything that's happened, how could I understand this? You mean the butler did it? Are we that dumb? I'm sorry, Dorothy. I'm sorry for everything. No! I've heard enough. As have I. It's locked. Dorothy! Dorothy! Stand back! (laughs) Dorothy! Miss Harwood... Are you all right? What? I'm I'm fine. What is the meaning of this? Where's Jenkins? He's he's not here. <sighs> here. A hidden panel. Looks like these stairs go down to the kitchen. Jenkins must have got out this way. Robert has nothing to do with this. That's the second time you've called him Robert. And in his concern when he first saw her brought in from the cold, he called her Dorothy. This has been right in front of our eyes the entire time. No, you don't understand at all. We understand enough. There's no point trying to protect him. Boss, the will. Boss? I I was so busy looking at Brink's half of the rights, I looked right at something and didn't see it. Dorothy's half. She gets that, plus this house, and a small trust, provided she marries within two years to someone of her own class and station. That's the change the professor made. Which means Harwood knew his daughter and his manservant were in love. And he was less than thrilled. 
Yes. <laughs> what was that? Look, I can hardly see through the snow, but I'd swear I saw a horse. He's running. Come on! Wait, no! You don't understand! You must bring him back! Come on, Kit. Jenkins won't last an hour out in this storm. Neither will we. We'll stop long enough to suit up. The thermal packs in our costumes will protect us from the elements. Let's go! <laughs> to the left, squirrel. The trail leads over this ridge. I didn't know you could drive a sleigh. I can drive anything. Yeah! I just can't see where I'm going. I'll track Jenkins with the new heat-seeking lenses. You just watch for trees. It's a deal. Are you warm enough? There are advantages to being a Canadian superhero. Insulated cat suits is a big one. Jenkins can't think he can get away in this. He wasn't expecting the red panda and the flying squirrel. Huh. Even if we weren't here, even if no one followed him, how long can his horse last in this? Down there. To the right. And he's not headed to civilization. Is there a cabin down there? Possibly. There are several small lakes. Lakes? Red panda, he's not trying to get away. What? Stop the sled! What is it? I think I see him. Come on! Here's his horse. Doesn't seem lame. Perhaps it threw him somewhere. Turn them fancy lenses of yours out there. Onto the frozen lake? But why? Squirrel. There's someone out there. It's too early for that lake to be frozen solid. Come on! We have to reach him before he gets to open water. Jenkins! Jenkins, stop! Who in heaven... Is that... The Morrises? No! No, it can't be! Don't do it, Jenkins! Stay where you are. The, the red panda! The flying squirrel... I must be mad. Mad indeed to resort to murder. Yes, I did it. I did it and I'm glad. No, you didn't. What? I did. I confess. I can't live with the shame. You ran to look guilty, but you ran right to open ice. You came down here to drown yourself and make it look like an accident. No! You knew it wasn't Brink, and you're too honest to frame an innocent man. But you had to protect her. Of course. Harwood forbade his daughter to marry beneath her station. He changed his will and she... The will meant nothing to her or to me. The professor was all the family she had in the world. I couldn't bear to see her lose that all for me. So as long as the professor was there to say no, she could never be with the man she loved. It was a crime of passion, Robert. It was badly executed. There'll be fingerprints. This won't save her. And the grief might kill her. I just wanted... I just wanted to do this one thing for her. Come back with us, Robert. This isn't what she wanted. Let's go. The storm is clearing. The police will be here soon. You take care of business? 
Dorothy Harwood is ready to confess to her father's murder. I made the simplest hypnotic change I could think of. I altered their memories of our real faces and left everything else intact. Which means John and Jane Morris just became known aliases of a certain mass duo. I'll kind of miss them. Mm. What do you think will happen to our lovebirds? A man died here, Kit. The fact that she did it for love doesn't make it right. But I hope the courts will show some mercy. And as for Jenkins... He'll wait for her. I can see it in his eyes. It could be a long wait. That won't matter to him. Well, on this matter I defer. You were right about everything else. Ah, shucks. No, I mean it. You were good, Squirrel. The star-crossed love, the class distinctions, the loyal servant. You had it all nailed. My hat goes off. Practice. Lots and lots of practice. What's that? I said I've got lots and lots of traction. Oh, good. Yes. I could get used to riding in the front seat. You see a lot more. Maybe someday. And so concludes another adventure of the Red Panda! This recording and the story, characters, and situations contained therein are the exclusive property of their creator and copyright holder, Greg Taylor, and are produced and distributed by Decoder Ring Theater through arrangement with him. These recordings may not be rebroadcast or redistributed by any means for any reason without express permission. Until next time, when Decoder Ring Theater brings you the further thrilling adventures of Canada's greatest superhero, this is Stephen Burley reminding you DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure! The Red Panda Adventures, episode 26, A Midwinter's Murder, was written and directed by Greg Taylor, with original music by Andrea Lyons, and featured the vocal talents of Christopher Mott, Julie Florio, Stephen Burley, Clarissa Denetterlanden, and Greg Taylor. Until next time, for all of us here, good night. Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallweg, We're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020.